Well, Friday, I sent out a challenge over Facebook. I've been doing challenges every so often uh, for you to comment on some of the projects that you've been working on or some things that you've been doing uh, during this time where we've got a little bit more time at home. Uh, Many of you responded with household projects, things that you've maybe been letting go around the house that now you're working on, and the same is true with us. We're uh, doing some things around the house. Um, I spent Friday... Uh, doing some yard work in the front yard, clearing out some bushes and some tree limbs around the house and that sort of thing. And I'd been working most of the day. And in the afternoon, when I got done, I, uh, we have a real nice covered back porch. And I was sitting on the back porch, and it was so very peaceful outside. I was resting. I was tired from a day's work, just sitting out there enjoying the peace and the quiet. The kids were playing. Uh, another part of the house, uh, another part of the yard, and I was just enjoying being outside, being peaceful. Well, after a little while, my wife Mandy came outside and said, hey, the governor's going to be on in just a few minutes. I went inside, watched the governor's address, and suddenly I didn't feel very peaceful anymore. Things had changed drastically in just a few minutes, uh, making decisions, trying to figure out how to adjust to what she had announced, to the order that she had given. And the reason that circumstance, that feeling that I had could change so quickly is because um, that's not real peace. I mean, yes, it was nice, it was peaceful outside, but uh, real peace is not dependent upon the pleasantness of our circumstances. Uh, Circumstances can change, but real peace, the type of peace that we want to talk about today is goes beyond that it transcends our circumstances you know for years and years and we've talked about this before if you're a wall highway member it hasn't been that long ago since we talked about peace and we talk about how uh, man has tried for centuries to attain peace and it really depends on who you talk to as to how you can achieve peace from a secular perspective. If you were to talk to a biologist, a biologist might say if you could just change man's heredity, you know, there, there would be, maybe he would uh, be at peace. If you talk to a sociologist, just, just change man's environment. If you change man's environment, maybe, maybe they'll be at peace. Talk to an economist, again, from a purely secular perspective, just change their, their economic status, their resources, what they have, and maybe they'll be at peace. The problem is, just like that feeling I had on the back porch changed in an instant, those things have been tried, and, and you might feel better about life for a while, but you know, it's not going to fix the over, overwhelming problem of a lack of peace in your life. You know, right now in our current circumstance, maybe you would say, you know, if I could just uh, be around other people, I would be at peace. Maybe if sickness were eliminated, I, I would be at peace. If I could just leave my house and go wherever I wanted to, to my favorite restaurant. And listen, I can't wait to do all of those things. But even that, just those things on the surface, they're, they're not going to produce peace like we really need. Peace that we need can only come from one source. And the Bible diagnoses it's not a problem of environment. It's not a problem of resources or lack thereof, my surroundings. The Bible recognizes that our problem is a spiritual problem. The lack of peace and assurance 
which we'll talk about next week, that we, we don't have uh, the, the lack thereof is, is a spiritual condition. It's the result of a spiritual problem that, that can only have a spiritual solution. And the solution is not my surroundings, not my resources, not even my frame of mind, but I myself have to be changed. In order for man to achieve peace, he has to be changed. The reason that we don't have peace with family, uh, with society, in society, is ultimately because man does not have peace with God. That is the, the source. Augustine said, Our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in thee. We have to have peace with God in order to have true peace. And we can never have peace with anyone else until that happens. You know, it's interesting that Billy Graham, his first book was titled Peace with God. And that underscores the truth that our primary need in life is to be right with God, to be reconciled to God. Uh, Today, Palm Sunday, we celebrate the Lord's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And everybody recognized him as the, the coming Messiah, the Messiah. Now, they expected an earthly reign that he would overthrow the Roman government. Uh, that was not what he came to do when he first came. Uh, but, but he allowed that public display, one that he had never allowed before. And there are a couple of reasons. One was that it fulfilled prophecy. The other was that he knew that he had come to be the sacrifice for our sins and for that to take place on the Passover. And so by doing this, by allowing this public display, he was forcing the Jewish leaders to act. They had wanted to arrest him, could not find a charge against him, and so he was basically giving them reason to arrest him. And that's what, what exactly what followed. But in that celebration on Palm Sunday... The theme of that celebration was one of peace. And we see in Luke 19, verse 38, the the crowd shouts, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You know, Luke's gospel is interesting. He opens with peace on earth when Jesus is born. And he was peace that had come to earth. But then he closes here, or he finishes, begins the end of his gospel with this theme of peace in heaven. You see, Jesus was rejected uh, when he came by the Jews. He was rejected by many, still is today. And because he was rejected, there could never really be truly peace on earth, but we can have peace with God in heaven. And the way that happens is that we are reconciled to God. In order to obtain peace, that process of obtaining peace with God is what's called reconciliation. And it is the doctrine of reconciliation that we are talking about this morning. We continue our series on basic training, preparing to defend our faith, the doctrines of our faith. And today we talk about the doctrine of reconciliation. So first, I want to look at the meaning of reconciliation. Before we go too far, I want us to understand completely what uh, what reconciliation itself means. In the New Testament, 
the verb for reconcile, both, both the verb for reconcile and the noun for reconciliation is built from one word that simply means to change. And Paul is the only New Testament writer that uses uh, these, these words. And it means to change. Again, our problem isn't surroundings. Our problem is that we need to be changed on the inside. Our person, our very core of who we are, our heart needs to be changed. We were created to have fellowship with God, to have friendship with God. And of course, sin we talked about last week broke that fellowship with God, separated us from God. And so that separation is, is at that point, we are now at war with God. Um, it, we are not at peace with God. And so that in, in, in and of itself is the problem that we face is that we are separated. Our sin has alienated us from God and we need to be reconciled. The solution to that is that we need to be reconciled to God. So what is reconciliation? Here's your definition. Reconciliation is a bringing together of those who have been estranged or separated. A bringing together of people, two people or more, who have been estranged or separated. Yeah, I love good stories of reconciliation. And I, I, just this week, I just did a Google search just to, to read some stories about uh, individuals, couples, uh, siblings who had been separated, uh, estranged for whatever reason, and brought back together later in life. And there were two guys, Jimmy and Josh, who were separated. Uh, Jimmy was Josh's older brother. Uh, their mother was in and out of prison, facing a long prison sentence when she was pregnant with Josh. And uh, so she gave Josh up for adoption. Basically did it to, just to spite her parents who were raising Jimmy at the time. She just gave him up for adoption. And, and Jimmy talked about how he remembered when his brother was born. He remembered looking through the glass at the hospital, seeing his little brother. And then he was taken in by a family, adopted by a family, and he didn't see him after that. And he had a lot of problems in life because of you know, his family, but also because uh, he, he was separated from his brother. And he had this longing inside him to know his brother, Josh. So later in life, he tried uh, one company to try to find him, and that w turned out to be a scam, and so he became more bitter over that, and then eventually he got connected with a legitimate group that, that helped him locate his brother. They got all the information, his name, his adopted name, uh, his age, uh, of course he knew his age, his birthday, he had all that information, and so he began looking for his brother. And those of you who are watching on Facebook right now, you'll appreciate this, he actually found his brother on Facebook. Facebook. He found somebody, same name, same age, same birthday, born in the same city, uh, and he thought this, this could be the guy. So he sent him a message. He friended him on Facebook. His brother responded, didn't know who he was, uh, and then he sent him an email. Well, about 24 hours went by, didn't hear anything. So he saw, he was online, he saw the little green dot next to uh, Josh's name, and he said, hey, I'm going to give it a shot. So he messaged him and said, hey, did you get my email the other day? He said, I was determined just to be casual about it. Well, Josh responded and said, no, man, I didn't get it. What did it say? So he copied and he pasted the email into the message explaining that he thought he might be his brother. And the simple response coming back from Josh was this, dude, I'm him. And so Jimmy said, what do you mean you're him? He said, I, I'm your brother. Give me a call. Gave him his number. They call, he called him. And now, slowly but surely, they have built a relationship with one another. They've been reconciled. Man, I love those stories. I love 
hearing about those types of things. And yeah, they've got a, a, lot of, a lot of history and a lot of obstacles. What was so amazing is they only grew up, they grew up only five miles apart from each other. They lived in the same town for years, never knew each other, but now they've been reconciled. Two people who were estranged have now come back together. And we see stories like that. Well, you and I were estranged from God, separated from God because of our sin. And the story of how we can be reconnected is the story, the doctrine of reconciliation. We can be reconciled with God. And the result of our reconciliation is that we can have peace with God. We can be reunited and have peace with him. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the Bible, with the exception of 1 Corinthians 7.11 and Acts 7.26, when you hear, when you read reconciliation, it's referring to reconciliation of man with God, of a holy God and sinful man. And that's what we're referring to. So what the question then becomes... How can God and man be reconciled? How can we be reconciled? Well, that brings us to the means of reconciliation. This is how we can be reconciled to God, the means of reconciliation. And in our passage for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, our, our, our primary text for today, we see in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see the subject, the object, and the agent of reconciliation. So keep those things in mind as we read this verse together. Looking at verse 18, everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So let's look at that. You see the subject being God, the object, that's us, and then the agent of reconciliation is Jesus Christ. Paul elaborates on this even more in verse 19. Look at verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So three times, if you look at verses 18 through 20, three times we see the... See, man being the object of reconciliation, we see the subject of reconciliation being God. And and it's not the other way around. God has no need to be reconciled to us. God hasn't done anything wrong. We, being sinful, have a need to be reconciled to him. And God's love, the reason that, that it's us is because God is never changing. One of the great sources of comfort that I've had during all of what's changed over the past couple of weeks is that God is the same. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever. God doesn't change. Man changed. We sin. We talked about that last week. Adam and Eve chose to sin. Now we were born with a sin nature, and beyond that, we choose to sin ourselves. And so that separates us from God. But the fact that we sin did not change God's love for us because, again, God doesn't change. He still loved us, but we were separated by sin. But it's that separation that causes us to have a need to be reconciled to God because we are estranged from Him. We need to be reconciled to him. And the process of reconciliation, God needed an agent who was both human and divine. He needed an agent that was both unaffected by sin but could empathize with those who had sinned. 
And the only person who could do that was God himself. Jesus Christ, his son, became flesh, but he lived a sinless life. And so he's fully God, yet fully man. He is living in a world, living without sinning himself, but understands and is able to empathize with those who have sin. And as a result, is able to pay the price for sin. And that's why the incarnation, reconciliation, and atonement are all so very closely related. According to 2 Corinthians 5.19, the purpose of, of the incarnation, Jesus becoming flesh, becoming man, God's manifestation of himself as a human being, the purpose was to reconcile the world to himself. That's, that was his purpose in doing that. And so this, the incarnation in and of itself was an act of grace and would culminate in the saving act of Jesus giving his life on the cross and being raised from the dead. Arrhenius of Lyons said this, he said, Christ became what we are that he might make us what he is, a son of God. So atonement, uh, there is the incarnation and then Jesus makes atonement for sin. Atonement is Jesus paying the price for sin with his blood. And it's, and it's basically synonymous with reconciliation. The word only, the word, actual word atonement only appears one time in the New Testament in Romans 5.11, and it's in the King James Version, verse 11 of Romans 5. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement. Uh, and, and if you look in the Holman, the, the, the version that I have read from today, it's actually translated reconciliation. And so the idea of atonement, yes, it is taught over and over again. The, the, the term atonement, the meaning and reconciliation go hand in hand because it is through Jesus' shedding of blood that we are now able to be reconciled with God. Charles Carter says this, he says, Atonement literally means at one Holy God and sinful man were brought together. They were reconciled. At, and at one moment, in the death, they're reconciled in the death of God's Son on the cross. He was as much God as if he were not man, as much man as if he were not God. He was the God-man. Thus, the agent, he, Jesus, could enable men, man to be reconciled to God through his atonement, through his sacrifice, being, becoming uh, the sacrifice for sin, we can now be reconciled. Something else, uh, Christ's death was an act of God on man's behalf, and it was in no sense uh, an offering uh, by man to God. I mean, God gave his life. It was a sacrifice, and, and we couldn't have done that. Man couldn't have done that even if we tried. If you look at the Old Testament sacrifices, we talked about this. They were temporary, and they only, they only uh, covered certain sins for a certain amount of time. They were insufficient, and they couldn't completely pay for sins for all time. So they could not reconcile man to God, and they were never intended to. That, the, the reconciliation has to come from God himself. Romans 5.10, back up one verse in Romans chapter 5. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? So when, as, as we're preparing for Easter, think about this. The cross, the resurrection both play a vital role in reconciliation and God reconciling man to himself. The primary effect of the cross was on man. 
Yes, Jesus does the work. He's the sacrifice. He is, atone, is the atonement for our sins. But it should, be ne- it should never be viewed as pacifying an angry God. That's, that's not the intent. It is viewed as God uh, performing an act, sacrifice, grace, mercy, an act that reconciles man to himself. Again, God never changing. And the result of God's reconciliation, his reconciling act at Calvary, according to J.B. Phillips' paraphrase, and this is a paraphrase of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16 through 18, is that peace has now been established between Jew and Gentile and between God and man. Let's read that paraphrase together. For he reconciled both to God by the, the sacrifice of one body on the cross... And by this act made utterly irrelevant the antagonism between them. Then he came and told both you who were far from God and us who were near, Gentiles and Jews, that the war was over. And it's through him that both of us now can approach the Father in one spirit. So, reconciliation. So, I I guess you could say the theme of reconciliation is now the war with God is over. For those who accept salvation, we are reconciled with God. We're no longer at war with God. For those of us who are saved, we are now at peace with God. And it's interesting, when men get right with God, the natural result is that they want others to experience the same thing. When I experience peace with God, I want the the other people in my life that I know, and even people that I don't know, I want them to experience peace with God. And so that's where we need to talk about the ministry of reconciliation. God not only reconciled the world to himself, he then gives us the ministry of reconciliation. But what does that mean? What does it mean when we say the ministry of reconciliation? Well, let's look at verse 18 again of 2 Corinthians 5. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself. It's an act of God. He did it through Jesus Christ. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So the peace of God can be obtained through, uh, through Jesus Christ. We can have peace with God. God wants everyone to know that peace. He wants everyone to be reconciled to himself. And the privilege of being reconciled, the privilege that I have of being reconciled, comes with the responsibility of sharing that message with other people with sharing the message of reconciliation, telling other people about Jesus. In other words, we have to tell others how to be reconciled with God. And Paul describes that ministry in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Certainly, God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. An ambassador is someone who represents his country. He speaks on his country's behalf. He speaks for his country. And, and the honor of that country, uh, uh, based on the interpretation of the people he's representing his country to, the honor of his country has a lot to do with how he represents his country. We, in the same way, are ambassadors for Christ on earth. That Once we're saved, this world is not our home. Uh, We were built for eternity, and we have eternity to look forward to. But we are still here on earth as ambassadors for Christ. We speak for him. We, We speak his word, but we share that word with others. And how could we ever expect anyone to have honor for for Christ if we don't represent him with honor? I mean, we are Christians. We are his representatives. He has chosen... And his infinite wisdom has chosen to use us to deliver the message of salvation to the lost world. 
And so we have a responsibility to represent him with honor. He also wants us to actively proclaim all of what we've talked about, the incarnation, uh, his death, burial, and his resurrection. And think about it. God has chosen us, imperfect human beings. He didn't have to. I mean, Jesus, his act of, uh, of sacrifice and his death and his resurrection, we didn't have anything to do with that. I mean, he gave his life. God raised him from the dead. He could have drawn men to himself and can on his own, yet he chooses to allow us to be a part of that process. So not only do we get to experience salvation, we get to be a part of seeing others come to Christ. We don't save them, but we get to share with them how They can be saved, and we can be agents. We can be uh, ambassadors representing Christ that he uses, God uses, to draw people to himself. What an amazing privilege that is. And if you look down through the years, most of the people who came to know Christ were one by one. One person shared Christ with them. Now, there may have been other people who invested in their life, but a lot of people were led to the Lord by one person who invested their lives into that person, who built a relationship with that person, who cared enough to share. And the ministry of the church today is one of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention just recently released their stats for 2019, and, and some, of them, some of them, while you know, the numbers are still impressive, uh, some of them are, are, are a little bit troubling. Uh, SBC churches as a whole, cooperating churches, there's 47, 000, over 47,000, 47,456, which is impressive, except that it's down from 2017. It was 47,544. You say that's not much. Well, you look at total membership in Southern Baptist churches, uh, 14,813,234. Again, impressive, but in 27,000, it was over 15 million. Um, and, you know, that could be some who have passed away, but that also means that we're not bringing other people into the church. And it's not just about church, but it's about leading people to Christ. And that's where the next stat comes in, total baptisms, 246,442 in 2019. In 2017, it was over 254,000. Um, you know, again, there, there's a decline here, and it's been going on uh, for years. There's been an uptick, but it's still on the decline. The North American Mission Board, there are, uh, in, our, in North America, there are over 5,000 missionaries. Uh, 624 new churches have been planted. Uh, the, the International Mission Board, we have 3,663 3, missionaries on the field, and those are great stats. That's wonderful that we have people out there. But there are still over 3,000 unreached people groups, not people, people groups out there. So, this ministry of reconciliation, we still need to be busy performing this ministry. We have a responsibility to share the gospel. And right now, people in our world, and, and, and not just in Madison, not just in Alabama, not just in our country or North America, uh, people in our world are looking for answers. Maybe you're watching right now and you're, you're looking for answers. You're, you're searching for peace. Your world has been rocked and you don't know um, where to look for comfort and assurance and peace. There are a lot of people, even without pandemics, there are a lot of people in the world that are searching for peace and have used a lot of different methods to try to attain it. Well, we who know Christ 
have the message of peace. We have the message of reconciliation that we can share. And that's the next natural step is that those of us who have been given the ministry of reconciliation should share the message of reconciliation. Not only do we see that ministry uh, that's been committed to us, verse 18, uh, also in verse 19, we we are shown that we've been committed the message of reconciliation or the word of reconciliation. Um, And in their instructions from God to us to go and share that message. And it centers on the fact that verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. He has made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Uh, Jesus, who was sinless, lived a sinless life. The, The message centers on him. It centers on Jesus emptying himself, uh, becoming man, Uh, living sinless life he never committed a sin yet on the cross took on all the sin of mankind he paid the penalty he took on the wrath of God that's the message of reconciliation that no you can't be reconciled to God on your own you can try all you want but you'll never be at peace with God on your own but the beauty of the message is that you don't have to is that Jesus did what was necessary he gave his life we look toward Good Friday, uh, we recognize, we remember what Jesus did on the cross and, and what he did was so very miraculous, but so very beautiful and personal that God himself became man and he suffered and died and took on our sin, our punishment, so that you and I could be reconciled to God, so that we could be what we were intended to be, to have relationship with God, to have fellowship with God, to serve him to fulfill his purpose and plan for us individually, but as a church, to have peace with God. And what you find when you have peace with God, you have peace in life. Because it's not based on whether or not there's sickness or not. It's not based on whether or not you know, it's peaceful on my back porch or that peace gets interrupted by an announcement. It's not based on circumstances. It's based on the fact that because Jesus died, then three days later was raised from the dead, I now have victory over death. I'm saved. And I know that my destiny, this world is not my home, my destiny is to be with him in heaven. And one day I will be. So regardless of what life brings, and yes, it's painful sometimes, and it hurts sometimes, and it's difficult, and we've experienced the full spectrum of emotions over the past three weeks. And it's difficult, yet... I can handle those difficulties because Christ living through me gives me the power to do that as a believer. But also I can handle those difficulties because I'm looking beyond my current situation and my eye is on heaven. And the day that because I'm reconciled to God, I'm at peace with God, I'll get to see him face to face. That's the message of reconciliation. And that's the message that we have to share. How could we ever keep that to ourselves now that we've experienced that? God has called us to go and to tell and to share. We proclaim a message that focuses on God's love personified in the cross and the resurrection. William Barclay said, 
that we are to break men's heart at the sight of the broken heart of God at Calvary. God gave his son, Jesus gave his life. And God was in Christ, verse 19 again, and he does not count our trespasses against us. Christ was made sin for us, verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5. This is the message of reconciliation. And if you receive this message, if you accept Christ, then you have all you need for this life, and you have all you need for eternity. The point of these doctrines is, first, if you don't know Jesus, this doctrine specifically, if you don't know Jesus, if you're not reconciled to God, you can be. Uh, but also, it's for those of us who know Christ to share what we've experienced with those who don't know Christ. Now, uh, those of you that are here every Sunday, maybe you've been watching, you, you know I like to use visuals, and I don't have a display this morning, and that's because I want you to help me with my visual today. Um, I, I've got, I sent out something earlier this week. If you didn't get that message, uh, that's okay. All you have to do, and you're allowed to do this, you can go to the gas station and get you a Tootsie Roll Pop, or you can, you can make something in your house. You can use something you already have to help with this illustration. Now, if your kids are like mine, they love the fact that we're going to use a Tootsie Roll Pop to talk about the Bible. They, they can't wait. And so it's very simple to do. You know, I love Tootsie Roll Pops. One of the great things about Tootsie Roll Pop is, you know, you, you get to enjoy the sucker and you know there's something good coming, right? You know that there's a, a Tootsie Roll in the center. And if you like Tootsie Rolls like I do, that, that's, that's something great to look forward to. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about these. And, and it's amazing, you may not have known this, you can use a Tootsie Roll Pop to share the message of reconciliation that I've just talked to you about. You think about it. At the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop is a soft center, right? And that's what our hearts are intended to be. God created us in his image, and our hearts should be soft toward him. Unfortunately, uh, that sin changes that. The Bible talks about having a hard heart, and the reason our hearts become hardened is because of sin. Sin hardens our hearts toward God, his word, and we're separated from him. And then to make matters worse, we've all done this. We attempt because of pride, because of ego, whatever, we try to cover up our sin. And that's where the wrapper comes in. We cover up our sin. And so what has to happen, if you want to be reconciled to God is that we've got to get rid of pride and ego. We've got to set all of that aside, take the wrapper of pride and ego off, and then we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our life, and we ask for forgiveness of sins. And you remember the commercial, the Tootsie Roll commercial, how many licks does it take to get to the center? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but the Holy Spirit gets rid of that hard shell immediately. But you can lick on your Tootsie Roll pop, and you can think about the fact that the Holy Spirit removes that outer shell. He softens, he breaks away all of that shell, our hardened heart, and he softens our heart, and he gets to the center of who we are, and there is a sweet reward at the center of that, forgiveness of sin. So here's your assignment. Uh, there's a discussion guide that I gave along with sermon notes. And you as a family, I encourage you, that's for your family to discuss after this is over with, to go a little bit deeper, 
and what we've talked about. And at the very end of that, don't eat your Tootsie Roll Pops yet. Wait till you get to that part or wait till after lunch, whatever your parents tell you to do, uh, kids. But when you get to the end of that uh, discussion guide, there are steps. And with each step, removing the wrapper, there's a verse that goes with that. I want you to remove your wrappers and read that verse and talk about what it means. Um, when, you're, when you start to, to eat your Tootsie Roll Pop, to lick your Tootsie Roll Pop, there's a verse that goes with that that talks about what I just shared with you. And then, of course, when you get down to the center, there's a verse that goes with that. And so I encourage you to follow those instructions. Now, if you don't have a Tootsie Roll Pop or you, maybe parents, you don't want your kids eating one, that's perfectly fine. You can do this same illustration with a piece of fruit. You can take an apple or an orange and wrap it in full, wrap it in some sort of plastic wrapping and the wrapping's still the same. Removing the peel of that fruit can represent removing the hard shell and getting down to the center, the sweet part of the fruit. You, you get creative with it. Use those same verses. In this is a representation of what I just shared with you, the message of reconciliation. And remember, the purpose of this doctrine is, yes, that we who know Christ would share, I'm going to eat my pop later, <laughs> to share that message But it's also the primary purpose in me sharing this with you is that if you are out there and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then I want to be the person who shares with you how you can be at peace with God, how you can be reconciled to God. Jesus gave his life. He died on the cross. A sinless life, a sinless death, but in dying took on my sin and your sin. And all you have to do, as I just shared, is invite him into your life. And ask him to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sin. And he will get rid of that shell, that hard heart that you have, and he will replace it with a brand new heart that's soft toward him. And then you'll experience peace with him. Now, if that's you today, or there are other questions that you have about anything that I've taught today or anything about this church, we invite you to contact us. Um, there's a slide that's going to come up with information about the church that, that gives you contact information. Um, an email that you can use right now, info at wallhighway.com, a telephone number, website with information about our church. You can actually message us on Facebook right now. Uh, we have uh, pastors that are monitoring that, and you can message us and ask about anything that I've talked about. If you want to know Jesus, anything like that. Uh, any other questions about um, the message today or information about our church, I invite you to use that contact information. We want to hear from you. Uh, whether you're a member of Wall Highway or not, we want to get to know you, and we would love for you to contact us. Now, for those of you who are part of our church family, you've heard me uh, go over this the past couple of weeks, and I'm going to go over it uh, probably every week, or at least refer to it, um, because this is important, and this is a time in our service um, that we, we give back to the Lord. We've received so much from Him. We've received what I've talked about today, grace and mercy and eternal life, and He asks us to dedicate ourselves to him, to have faith in him, to, to display that faith. And, and, and for those of you who may not be members of this church, and you've heard me talk about this the past couple of weeks, let me tell you, this isn't, I'm not doing this maybe for the reasons that you think. It's not about money. It's about those of us who know Christ. We want to express our faith in him and trust in him. And we do that. One of the ways we do that is by what the Bible instructs us to do in giving of our tithes and offerings. So church family, again, if you want to go online, we've got online giving. You can go to the website and click on resources, click on online giving, or you can follow the link that's in front of you now to do that. Some of you have been doing that the past couple of weeks. 
Um, you can also use your bank's online bill pay. There's another slide that'll come up that'll share with you uh, the address, the general fund reference number, what you need to know to do that. Or you can simply mail a check. Our mailbox is secure, it's locked, and use that same address um, and reference number to be able to do that on your check, that general fund reference number. Um, we want the ministry of the church to continue. Uh, even though that we're not together, the ministry continues, and this is God's way of, of funding that, and we want to be faithful in giving. Now, a couple of things that I want to mention. We're going to close with prayer in just a, a few moments. But you should have seen this week uh, that, that we've got, uh, of course, we're not going to be together on Easter. And, and again, church family, I, I can't tell you how much. I, I was out here Thursday helping to pass out uh, some communion supplies for what I'm about to talk about. And I got to interact with some of you from a distance. I had my mask on, my gloves on, and, and we were at a distance. But, man, it was so great to fellowship with some of y'all. And, and I look forward to the day that we get to do that face-to-face. One of the things that we had originally had planned for today was communion, and we can't meet together to do that, but we can still do that as a church family from wherever we are, and that's one of the things we were doing the other day was, was passing out communion supplies so that you can do that from your home, because this Friday night, I'm going to host that from my home with my family. I'm going to host communion at 6.30 on Friday night. Uh, We're going to live stream that. I'm going to go Facebook Live. We'll live stream that. And then you can join us um, over the Internet. We're going to do it together. Uh, You don't have to be a member of Wall Highway. Uh, You do have to be a member of the family. You can watch either way, but I'm going to walk you through that, all right? So if you weren't able to pick up those supplies this past week, then uh, you can contact the church office with the numbers that I just mentioned, um, and we'll make arrangements for you to get those things. I'm also going to put out a list of supplies that you will need if you just want to gather those yourself this week. Now, Saturday, one of the other things that we passed out were packets, uh, activity packets for our kids. And Saturday, uh, there's going to be some activities that you can do with your kids' families uh, that Brother Jim has put together for us, and you should have received those. Again, if you didn't, you can contact the church office, and we we will get those to you or tell you what you need to purchase to be able to make those yourself. And there'll be more instructions about how to use those as the week goes on. And then, of course, next Sunday, while we won't be together in the same room, we will still have Easter Sunday worship. Now make note, uh, those of you that are members of Wall Highway, but especially those of you that that have just started joining us over the next few weeks, our service next Sunday will begin at 10 a.m., not 1045. It'll be 10 a.m. next Sunday, but we're going to have a great Easter celebration together. And yes, things are different, and we're having to adjust, and it's challenging, and it's stressful, and and all of these things, but God is, is so good, and he's so faithful. And, and we've just talked about the greatest expression of his goodness and his love and that he gave Jesus so that we could be reconciled to him. And, the, and one of the beautiful things about having a relationship with Christ is that it's not dependent on physical walls or, or locations. Uh, God is transcendent. He is above all of those things, yet he is personally involved in our lives and he comes to us. He's with us always in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so with that, that realization and that thanksgiving, let's go before the Lord in prayer 
as we close our time together today. Father, thank you for this time of worship and study that we've had. Thank you for this message of reconciliation that those of us who have received it, Lord, we've, we've experienced salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for your willingness to take on my sin, to take on the punishment that was due me that I deserved. God's wrath that I should have experienced. Lord Jesus, you took my place on the cross. And because of that, Lord, I thank you. You have saved me and rescued me from sin. You have allowed me to have peace with you, God. And because I have peace with you, I can have peace in any temporary circumstance. My joy is not dependent upon the pleasantness of my circumstance or lack thereof. My joy comes from the fact that I have relationship with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for salvation and we look forward to this weekend where we remember your sacrifice and celebrate your resurrection and we do it in the midst of difficult circumstances, recognizing that in any circumstance, you can provide salvation and joy and assurance. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. I pray for the families out there that are affected by this illness, that you would draw them to yourself and that you would be the great physician for them and provide healing, but that you would heal their greatest need, and that is forgiveness of sin if they haven't received that. For those of us who, for for individuals who are out of work, Lord, I pray for your provisions for their families, for them, but I pray that you would meet their greatest need, and that is peace with you through forgiveness of sin if they have not experienced that. For all other needs, Lord, we know that you are fully aware that you are a God who cares and who is involved in the lives of your children and desires relationship with those who don't know you. Lord, we thank you for love. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning. I pray that you have experienced the joy of salvation with Christ. And if you have, I pray that you will experience the joy of peace every day as you live in relationship with him. God bless you and have a wonderful afternoon.